the Abundant Life Church would like to welcome its listeners, KKVV listeners. Our speaker today is our very own Dr. Calvin B. Rock, Senior Pastor of the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. He will bring to us another stirring message today. If you'd like to have a copy of this sermon or any previous, you may call us at 702-647-2627. Before our speaker, Dr. Calvin B. Rock, comes to us, we'll have another special song from our children's choir, followed by our speaker, senior pastor, Dr. Calvin B. Rock. Hear ye him.
Thank you to our children's choir. And again, thank you to our musicians who have to work hard and practice with our choirs and who are here every Sabbath to bless us with their talents as well. Shall we pray? Dear Father, it is now time to feast on the good things of the Word. And as we open the holy pages of Scripture, our prayer is that your Holy Spirit, already here, will touch our hearts, open our minds, and make us faithfully responsive. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Another welcome to those who are listening on the radio. We're glad that you, many of you, make it a habit to tune in to the worship service of the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. And if you've tuned in for the first time, welcome. We hope that you too will make it a habit and that you'll even come and visit us at 1720 North J Street. Now, I am happy today to be engaged with the congregation and our listeners in another series that will focus us for several weeks in a particular part of the Bible. You did bring your Bible with you, did you not? May I see your Bible? You got your Bible? That's why we come. Yes, choir is good and all of that, but we come to study, we come to investigate, we come to honor God's Word. And the part of Scripture that is now holding our attention is the book of Galatians, chapter 5. The book of Galatians, chapter 5, and verses 22 and 23. We landed there last Sabbath, and I introduced to you the theme, the fruit of the Spirit, and we discovered that what the Spirit produces here is not fruits in the plural or gifts, but just fruit. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy. Notice that there is a plural listing, nine different titles, but all one fruit. And last week we began with the very first of the cluster, and that is the fruit of love, the fruit of love. And we mentioned and we talked about it, and we identified that love as God's love to us. When the Spirit fills our lives, the first ingredient he brings is the love of God. Now, today we go to the second of the fruits listed here. And the Word of God reads, But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love and J-O-Y. What does that spell? Joy. Joy. That's fruit number two. The fruit of the Spirit is love and next it is joy. Now, what is joy? Webster says that joy is a glad feeling. A glad feeling. Joy is a feeling of pleasure. Or we might change it around and say a pleasurable feeling. Joy is an expression of warmth 
and happiness. And of course, in the world today, there is much happiness and joy of the wrong kind. Some people are happy at slot machines. Very happy. Sit there for hours. Happy. Some people are happy drinking alcohol. Some people are happy and joyful screaming at the top of their lungs at wrestling matches. And they, know, they have to know it's all fake. But they pay their money and they watch people mangle each other. Some people are happy looking at bloody movies, cut them up, shoot them up, cloak and dagger, tapes and movies. And by the way, I've never understood what's so joyful about getting drunk. What, what, what is so happy about getting dizzy and losing control of your organs? What, 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 what is so happy about, about throwing up? What is so happy about destroying, as Shakespeare said, putting something into your mouth to take away your brain? But some people claim happiness at smoking and at blowing their money at the horse race and so forth and so on. These are carnal joys, worldly pleasures, the pick you up and let you down joys of society. They are sweet in the mouth, but bitter in the belly. They are pretty on the outside, but rotten on the inside. These worldly joys, sap your energies and skew your reasoning and depress your will. And if you don't believe so, ask Samson. Remember him? Ask Samson at the Philistine party as he reaches for the pillars, blinded and beaten and chained. Samson? What happened to all your pleasure when you were cavorting with Delilah? Where is your pleasure now? Ask the prodigal son as he twists and turns in the pig pen, friendless and penniless and sick in body and soul. Prodigal son, what happened to all your so-called joy when your pockets were full? and your friends surrounded you. Ask Solomon when it was all over and he had lived his life to the full and he had come to die. Samson, what about your joy in all your cattle, in all your chariots, in all your servants, in all your swimming pools, in all your wives, in all your concubines? Samson, where is that pleasure now? And Samson answers, all is vanity. Vanity. All is vanity. There is nothing to worldly pleasures and acquirements. It's all empty and vain in the end. Samson, where is it? And he answers, it's all so, it's all so gone. It's also gone. 
I don't know where it is. It slipped through my fingers. There's nothing left. The truth is, young people, fathers and mothers, adults, the truth is, no matter how good it looks, or how good it feels, or how good it tastes, or how good it sounds, no matter how much interest it pays, no matter how many friends it brings, no matter how much attention it gets, if it's not from God, that pleasure is bound to end in death. Amen. It will be the death of talent, the death of opportunity, the death of dignity, the death of health, and the death of good reputation, but not so with the joys that the Spirit brings. The joy that the Spirit brings is of a different nature. And Jesus describes that joy in the book of John, chapter 15 and verse 11. He says, These things I have spoken to you that your joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And the word full here means complete. Jesus says, the joy that I bring is true joy, it's complete joy, and it's perfect joy. It is another brand of joy. In other words, I have a joy, Jesus promises, through the Spirit that does not fade. It does not deceive. It doesn't light up and blaze out like a firecracker in the night. My joy settles in and my joy grows and my joy, Jesus says, doesn't steal away your strength and sap your energy and rob you of a clear conscience. My joy doesn't leave you sick and disappointed and ashamed when the lights come back on or when the stock market fails or when your children go bad or when death takes away a loved one. My joy is the real deal. It doesn't create problems. It solves problems. And it doesn't leave you high and dry and strained and drained and abused and confused. That's worldly joy. And that is exactly what Jesus was talking to the woman at the well of all about. In John chapter 4, you remember John 4 verses 13 and 14. And when he met the, met the Samaritan woman and he offered her his water after asking her for some just to get her attention, Jesus, verse 13, chapter 4, answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Talking about the pleasures of Jacob's well, that pleasurable water. Whoever will drink of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. In other words, the woman at the well was used to joys, worldly joys. She had a, had a lot of temporary pleasures and a lot of failed engagements, and a lot of shallow relationships, and a lot of disappointed pleasures, and it all dried up, and she, she was miserable and confused and disappointed with her life. But Jesus says to her, look, my dear, 
I have a different kind of pleasure for you. And as he talked and took more and more time to let the vibes of his love fill her heart, she opened her heart and Jesus poured in her his love and the love of Christ gave birth to joy and she dropped her pot when his fullness of joy struck her cords of her mind and her brain. She left her pot and she left her maidens and filled with joy. The new joy she had found. A joy she had never known before. Something had touched the right nerve in her being. And now she was on fire with joy. And she ran back to her village saying, come see a man. Come witness something you've never had before. I want you all to get some of this. You need some of this joy. And that's the way Jesus touches every man and woman who allows his love to come into his or her heart. When we find Jesus, we find joy. Amen. The song says, if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let what? Let Jesus do what? Come into your heart. Where do we find Jesus' joy? We find Jesus' joy that Galatians is talking about. We find Jesus' joy in Jesus' word. Amen. And we human beings, you see, were created by God, and he has given us physical bodies and spiritual natures. We have two natures. We have a physical nature, and we have a spiritual nature. And the Bible is the operational manual that tells us how to take care of both. Follow me now. We have a physical nature and a spiritual nature. That's all. Those are our two natures, physical and spiritual. And the Bible tells us what to do. It, it's like the manual. I've got an old 96 car out there, 12 years old, and in the glove compartment, there's a manual. And when I see little lights come on and little signals and I don't know what they mean, you know what I do? I go in the glove compartment and I pull out the manual. And the manual tells me what to do, and it works. The Bible is the manual that tells us how to function physically and spiritually. And if we want joy, we've got to read the manual. The manual tells us how to take care of our physical needs. You know what the manual says about our physical needs? If you want a healthy body and if you want joy in your physical being, first of all, it says you've got to eat right. Deuteronomy 14, Leviticus 11, both tell us that there's some things you're not supposed to put in this body. You don't put sand in your gas tank. You don't put Coca-Cola in your gas tank. You have to put certain kind of fuel for that car to run. And God says, here's my manual. And if you want to have real joy, if you want to maximize your health, then put the right thing in your body. Nuts. Fruits, grains, and vegetables. That's how he started it out. 
That's the basic fuel for the human body. But he also tells us that we need rest. We not only must eat right for physical, for maximum physical joy, we must take rest as well. You know what Jesus said to his disciples in the book of Mark, chapter 31, when he was busy healing and teaching and directing the traffic in the societies where he went, giving people real joy. He said when he got tired, he said unto them, Mark 6, 31, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. So the manual says to find real joy and happiness and maximize your health, eat right and rest sometime. It's all right. Thank God for the Sabbath. That's 52 vacations in the year that a lot of people don't get. Come aside and rest a while. It's necessary to not only eat right, but it's all right to rest sometimes. But if you're going to rest, remember what the Bible also says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 12. Here the Bible says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. So if you really want to have joy and a joy for rest, work hard. You got to work. In fact, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't do what? Eat. Shouldn't eat. The Bible gives us principles. The Bible is so practical. The Bible is so, so true to our needs. And God says, I'll tell you how, how to have joy. And you can't have much joy when you're not feeling well. Your joy is hard to maximize your joy when, 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 when you're not well. But here God says you eat right and you work hard and you rest well and you will be the beneficiary of the joys that God has outlined for us in his holy words. And the same principle applies for our spiritual nature. Just as the Bible is a manual for physical health, and there are other things there, but those are some of the main ones. The Bible is also a manual for our spiritual nature. True, we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity, Psalm 51, 5, but we are born with the basic equipment of spiritual need that only God can satisfy. And I want you to get this. There is in every human being a basic longing and apparatus that God put there. God has calibrated us. God made human beings in his own image. God put Adam and Eve in the garden with a tendency to fellowship with him. And that was God's purpose. He wanted a human race who would love him. And sin has cut the cord. And sin has reoriented us to evil. But there is still deep in the human psyche a, a factor that can never be satisfied. An itch that can never be scratched. A longing that can never be satiated or filled unless it connects with God. Amen. And that's what David meant in Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 when he said in those words that are so picturesque 
and memorable as the deer pants for the water brooks so my soul pants for you O Lord as the thirsty deer is panting to slake its thirst so human nature needs God so human nature has a craving there is a basic mechanism in the human soul that wants to get back to where we were before sin befell us there is this misconnection and there is this desire for this connection to be brought back so that the human being can connect with God and that's the only way true joy can be found some people try to find joy in movies some people try to find joy in excitement some people try to find joy in the theories of other human beings but none of it works there's only one manual for the human race's joy, and that is the Word of God. There's only one source to which we can turn to find true joy, lasting joy, complete joy and pleasure, and that is the Word of God where we are introduced to the Jesus who made us and with whom we connect and which connection brings us joy. Short of that. All joy will fade, all pleasure will pass, all happiness will disappear. Now, how does the Bible, how does the Bible specifically address our spiritual needs for joy? We talked about how it addresses, addresses our physical needs, it gives us that advice. What about this spiritual nature, more particularly and specifically? Well, first of all, it tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins. The spiritual nature is made joyful when we are free from sin and guilt. If you want to be happy, brothers and sisters, get on your knees and tell God you're sorry for your sins and ask him to forgive you of your sins and that will let a whole load off your back. Ask God to help you to love everybody. Ask God to, to forgive you all your mistakes and take it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and do what? Leave them there and get up from there and when you do you'll find real joy Amen. knowing that Jesus has died for your sins died for my sins and because of the death of Christ the Father can forgive me my soul is made joyful when my sins are forgiven and my soul according to Mark 4 544 Matthew 544 my soul is joyful made joyful when I pray for my enemies. Another way to be happy, Matthew 5, 44 and on, is to pray for those people that don't like you. You know anybody doesn't like you? I had one fellow say one time, well, I was in a big meeting with a lot of important people, and one important person said to the chairman, I don't have any enemies. And the chairman said, no, what'd you do with them? 
Now, I'm not hoping you got enemies, but sometimes people just don't like you. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes you remind them of their daddy who beat them up. I did something, and maybe it's a mistake you made. Sometimes it may be your fault or my fault. But when we pray for those who don't like us, when we pray for those who abuse us, you have such a good feeling. Try it sometimes. Just try to get down and say, Lord, please bless so-and-so. Oh, Lord. And at first you might not mean it, but just keep on till you mean it. Lord, bless. Lord, bless. Lord, just keep on. Yeah, you know, if you have to grit your teeth, say, Lord, bless, bless, and just keep on. And after a while, you can get up and you'd be surprised how good it feels. It feels good. Feels good to be able to pray for your enemies. It's good. It's joyous to your soul. And another way to bless your spiritual nature is mentioned in the book of Psalms again, chapter 19, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, verses 7 and 8. David says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And the statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. One of the best ways to be joyful is to serve God. A young fellow once said, my mother told me not to smoke, I don't. Or listen to a naughty joke, I don't. She told me that I must not think about intoxicating drink, I don't. Wild youth chase women, wine and song, I don't. To stay out late is very wrong, I don't. I do not know how it is done. You wouldn't think I have much fun. I don't. <laughs> that was his conclusion. That all these rules were hemming him in. And everything mama said was, was, was making life miserable. But oh no, David says. David says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul and he says that the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. God's rules and regulations, young people, fathers and mothers, God's rules and regulations are not to make us miserable and hold us down. They're to keep us from falling into the traps of Satan. They are to warn us when we are running into the dead ends of temptation. The laws of God are not given to restrict us and to bind us. They are given to bring us joy. They're given so that we can avoid the pitfalls, that we can go around all the pot hills and all of the troubles in the road of life so that we can be joyful and we should be thankful for the commandments of God that tell us how to live and that show us how to treat one another. And David says he, when he found them, they were the rejoicing of his heart. And that's not all he said. Verse 10, much more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Did I love them? Yes, he said. They were sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb, and they gave me rejoicing. A fourth way that the Word of God brings rejoicing to our spiritual nature is that 
the Bible tells us there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. Psalm 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy cometh when? Joy cometh in the morning. We are made joyful in this world of sin and problems because we know this is not the end of it. If in this world only we have hope, we are of all men most what? Miserable, Paul says. If in this world only, is, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Are we just biological accidents born because two people had a sex relationship and we come into this world and we have to live amidst all of this sin and sorrow and disease and have a few days of of, of lightness and a few days of sunshine and gradually grow older and older and if we're fortunate enough to see our three score years and ten if we're fortunate enough to get up toward the century and beyond we become victimized by father time and mother nature and we're shriveled up and we become shells of those powerful men and beautiful women we used to be the big robust people we once were and we look around and now we've been over toward the ground once a man and twice a child tottering along with our tight tendons and falling on a cane and pushing on a walker and finally in the old folks home and then in the hospice with all kinds of lines and cotton and people looking at us and trying to make us comfortable till finally another corpse is thrown into the grave. Is that all there is? That's all there is. We could wish never to have been born. The man who said it was right, life is the cruel interruption of the peaceful state of non-existence. Better not to be born, if that's all there is. But thank God, there is much more beyond. Thank God, the grave is not the end. Thank God, beyond this veil of sin and toil and disappointment, thank God there is a better day coming. And because we believe that, because it's all given us in the Word of God, we can have joy. Like Paul and Silas in Acts 16, we can sing in the prison of our trials. Because there's a better day coming. So we must read this book and we must discover its secrets of joy and we must understand where we find our joy. But we can't just be Seventh-day Adventists. Get it? Seventh-day Adventists. You come to church on Sabbath and get entertained and get fed and go home and forget about it. You know, folk have called us all kinds of names. Some people, I've been in some parts of the country where we're known as seven days. Some folk call us seven days and adventurers. One man said, I, I heard about you seven days advance. <laughs> well, that, 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 and there may be a little sermon there too. But what I'm getting at is we just can't be a one day 
church attendance and the rest of the week we forget about it. Right. Eat what you want, dress like you want, go where you want, and then come back and get filled up the next Sabbath and go back out, eat what you want, dress what you want, and forget all about the Bible. And no, no, you can't find joy that way. The joy that comes from this word means a daily intake. Your spiritual nature has got to be fed not just once a week. It's got to be fed daily. And when we come to church and God pours out his love through his spirit and his spirit speaks to our heart, the automatic result will be joy. And we'll have joy, real joy, continuing joy, joy that fills every part of your body. And no matter what happens out there, no matter what happens to the stock market or any other element of life, you will have joy because you've got Jesus. And with Jesus, there is an illumination that nothing else can bring. Amen. This joy that I'm talking about, this joy that Galatians 5 is outlining is a joy that will give you better health. Amen. You know, a lot, of, a lot of disease comes from what happens between the ears. You know that, don't you? A lot of sickness occurs because of the mental condition that a person is in. Mind over matter. And when your mind isn't well, your body cannot function at maximum. In fact, Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh the bones fat. God loves his people to have a happy heart. So when we get this joy, when we open up our hearts and Jesus pours in his love, when we get hooked on the word, when the word grabs us and love of Jesus becomes clear and that part of us that was created to connect begins to make its connection with God who's waiting there, one of the first things that happens is that as our minds become clean and clear and our eyes become open and we have joy, our body has better health. Doesn't mean you can't get a cold or you can't get the flu or you won't get sick. It just means you have maximum resistance against all these things. But not only will joy give you better health, joy will also benefit your family. Because when you come home from work or when your husband comes home from work or if you're single when you're just in there by yourself, or if your parents and you have children and you have a countenance of joy, you make everybody else happy. Amen. The worst thing in the world is to have to live with an old grouch. <laughs> Whether you be the grouch or the other folks. Grouch. Somebody that's unhappy. Somebody that doesn't know joy. Somebody that is always fussing. You cannot be a good husband or wife and be fussing all the time. If you know joy, you are able to say, I'm sorry, okay, darling, it's going to be all right. If you have joy, and if you have joy, you know, I've tried it. I've tried it. I have run uh, inadvertently, let's say, inadvertently, 
I have run in front of some people in traffic. And they looked at me, and I smiled. And you know what they do? Smile back. Try it sometime. Next time you make somebody mad in the traffic, now, of course, I don't know, some folk might not, but most people with good sense, they'll smile back at you. They'll smile back at you. There's a, there's a contagion about joy. You, joy will make you happy. This joy will make your family happy. And this joy will make your church happy. You'll have a joyous congregation. Brother pastors, let's elude joy. We want joy, elders, deacons, joy. We, we want this to be a happy church. Now, 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 I don't mean you come skip it in here on Sabbath. <laughs> Looking, you know, snapping your fingers saying, let's get it on. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Now, now, let me say this while I'm at it. If the word of God makes you want to snap your fingers and pop and jump up and holler, that's all right. But make sure it's the word of God. All right? If the, if you see, true joy and true expression, even in church, should be because your intellect has been stimulated by the word. But if you come to church looking for emotion, you know, you just, just want another high. You, 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 you know, some people leave church. Oh, it was a good sermon. Good sermon? What did he say? I don't know, but it's a good sermon. Well, that's no good sermon. That's no count sermon. The Word of God should leave an impression. We should understand the Word. And if the Word brings on emotion, it, if it's the Word that gives you the amen, if it's the Word that stimulates you, then you've got real joy. And you've got lasting joy. Because joy comes from Jesus. And did you know that Jesus was a man of joy? Jesus was a man of joy. He was surrounded by joy in heaven. Before he came to this earth, the angels are joyful. David says they do his will with gladness. See, they are his ministering spirits. They're joyful. Heaven is full of joy. Jesus left all of that joy and came down for you and me because we constituted a greater joy for him. Yes. He left that joy in order to demonstrate love to us and his rescue of the human race has given him the greatest of joys that heaven or earth could provide. And when he came, he was surrounded by joy. The angels who saw him issuing from Mary's womb sang joy to the world. The Lord has come. And as a child, Jesus brought joy to his parents. Jesus was no long-faced, solemn, sad, sack, emaciated, girly-looking fella in jerry curls. Jesus was a man of power and joy and fullness. 
Jesus was a human being who loved to live and he brought joy. Amen. Ellen White in the book Desire of Ages says of Jesus, often he expressed the gladness of his heart by singing psalms and heavenly songs. Often the dwellers in Nazareth heard his voice raised in praise and thanksgiving to God. Isn't that something? As a young man, he often sang. He liked to sing praises to God. He held communion with heaven in song, and his companions complained of weariness. As his companions complained of weariness from labor, they were cheered by the sweet melody from his lips. I like to be around folk who like to whistle and hum. Last year, when Elder Cleveland was here, and he's almost 90 now, and you know, he's not the vigorous man he used to be, but as I drove him around town, I was just so delighted. The old man was always singing. When he wasn't talking about his deceased wife and how much he loved Celia, he was singing. <laughs> just, I was just amazed. Amazing old man. He was just as happy as a lark. I like to be around that. And Jesus was that way. He cheered others. He went about his work. And the same book, Desire of Ages, page 277. And somebody said we get out between 1 and 130. I'm going to prove him wrong in about two minutes here. All right. Hear what he said. The prince of heaven was among his people. The greatest gift of God to the world was joy. Joy to the poor, for Christ had made them heirs of salvation. <laughs> Joy to the poor, because they discovered they were heirs of the kingdom. Joy to the rich, for he taught them to secure eternal riches. Joy to the ignorant, because he made them wise unto salvation. Joy to the learned, because he opened to them the deep mysteries, deeper mysteries than they had ever fathomed, and truths that had been hidden from the foundation of the world. Jesus was a man of joy. The people at Peter's mother-in-law's house, when they saw the man let down through the roof, she describes in the same book how joyful they were. He brought joy to the blind. He brought joy to the widow of Nain. He brought joy to the, to the speechless. He brought joy to the demoniac's families when he gave them back to their own. He was a man of joy. And do you know that in his final prayer, as he went to the cross, listen to what again the servant of God says, same book, Desire of Ages, page 672. Before leaving the upper chamber, the Savior led his disciples in a song of prayer. After the Last Supper, He's getting up now to go out to the garden to be betrayed and they're leading him to the cross in just a few minutes. He's going to be before his persecutors and the next day he knew he would be slaughtered like a lamb on the tree. And yet the final thing he did was to sing a song of praise. Jesus was a man of joy. But I want to declare to you that his greatest joy is when you and I do what he says. Amen. Do you know that 
The Bible says, speaking of Jesus singing and his joy, Zephaniah says that in the kingdom of God, Jesus is going to sing. He's going to sing. The word of God says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you. Speaking of those who are saved. Since he's picked us up out of the miry clay and he set us up on the rock to stay. Since he plucked us as brands from the fire, took us out of the kingdom of evil and darkness, now we are saved. We rejoice. Thank God. Thank God I'm not afflicted with all the evils I used to have. Thank God my, my being has made this connection. Thank God the love of God has shined in my heart. Thank God I don't like the stuff I used to like. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm not the victim of the stuff that I used to be victimized by. I have joy. Don't even have to worry about it. You can pass it before me all day. I, I, I don't even see it. I don't even smell it. I don't want to taste it. I don't want to look at it. I've been delivered. I can be joyful. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave anymore. So I've got joy. And because you and I have joy, Jesus is rejoicing today. He's rejoicing. He's rejoicing in glory because out of all the billions of people who are going to be lost and have been lost, somebody's going to be saved. Somebody's going to his kingdom. Somebody has responded to his sacrifice. And the word of God says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with love. And this is what it says. He will rejoice over you with singing. One of these days, the earth made new, the Lord is going to sing over the saints. We're going to be quiet. We're going to be quiet. And Jesus is going to sing for his people. And we're going to be quiet. We're going to be hushed. And Jesus, before the Father in the universe, will sing victory because there will be a number that no man can number. And these are the redeemed of the earth. These are they who have made their robes white and washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I plan to be there. How about you? Amen. I plan to be there to rejoice. I want that rejoicing. It's worth living for, folk. It's worth obeying. It's worth studying. It's worth leaving everything else behind. The songwriter says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. And if there's anything between you and the Savior today that's stopping you from having full joy, you know about it. The Lord knows about it. I invite you in our appeal to leave it at the foot of the cross. If there's anything blocking the communication, anything stopping you from having full joy, if there's anybody, no need in hating on somebody because of what they did to you. Amen. If there's anybody, anything, whatever it is, that's blocking your joy, and you want to say today, dear God, I want nothing between. I want nothing between. I want fullness of this joy. I want that joy. 
Let's pray about it right now. Shall we bow our heads? Father in heaven, there are some people here today who realize that there are things in their lives that are preventing the fullness of joy. And so we pray right now that when we leave this building, not one person in here will leave with some idol, some problem, some frustration blocking the way. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to talk to everybody, those who are members and those who are not, all of us alike. If you know there's something in your life that's blocking it, take it to the Lord. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just take it to God right now. No matter what it is, no matter who it is, maybe it's a mistake you made a long time ago in your life, but it keeps bothering you. Forget it. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Hey, Jesus says, I've thrown it to the depths of the sea. And the sea off the coast of Siam is six miles deep. He said, it's in the depths of the sea. Forget yesterday. Let it go. Whatever it is, let it go. Let her go. Let him go. Let it go. So we can have that joy. And when we get all the stuff out of our lives, the spirit will fill up the vacuum. Now I have a specific appeal. And this appeal is to that man, a woman, boy, or girl who's here today who is not yet a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We make no apologies. When you come in this building, we're glad to have you, but we want to keep you. We want you to come back. We want you to be one of us. We want you to be a part of the family. We want you to keep all ten of his commandments and enjoy the Sabbath. And he says, if you turn your foot from the Sabbath, Isaiah 58, I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. That sounds like joy to me. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. That sounds like joy. Anybody here who believes in the commandments of God? and you want more studies, we have a system, we provide you with the information, and you can become a full-fledged member, a full-fledged commandment keeper. We'll fix it for you, by God's grace. You may raise your hand. Where are you? Man, a woman, a boy, a girl, loves the Lord that much. God bless you. I see you, the couple right there. I see you, Monica, I see you. Who else? Who else? You're not yet a promise, Sabbath. God bless you. Thank you, Sister Bray. Our Bible workers are busy. They're busy. Just fill out the card. Give the young man a card right there next to you, Charles. Thank you. Who else? Just fill out that little slip. Raise your hand. Fill out the slip. And ushers, Bible workers, don't leave till you get them back.